0: you got the bus! And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the Major Junior.
1: This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Calis Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potcher
0: from the Guelph Storm. This is Ackler LaRue from the Halifax
1: Moosehead. Natai Gaucher. I play for the Quebec Grand Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North State Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show.
0: NCAA.
2: This is
1: Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota, Toulouse. This is Brock Faber from the University of
0: Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of
3: the University of Michigan. This is Ryan
1: Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon v Kings. My name is Adam
2: Giam. I'm playing for people off field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds.
1: Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms.
2: I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pads, and
0: this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Bring This is the Pipeline Show. <laughs>
4: Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Pipeline Show. It's not a live one. I, I put this out to the audience last week with a vote. The knew before Christmas that the, the week between Christmas and New Year's was going to be an impossibility to try to line up guests. So what I decided to do was put together a best of show. Did the, the audience want to hear a best of Edmonton Oilers guests when they were on the show as juniors or a best of uh, Oil King alums from when they were on the show, either as juniors, as members of the Oil Kings, or reflecting on their time as Oil Kings. And the fans voted, and it will be a Best of Oil Kings show today. A quick reminder that the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the absolute best beef jerky you've ever had. If you get a chance to try some, make sure that you do. You can go to Luke or Spruce Grove or the kiosk in West Edmonton Mall, or you can order it through their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com. I will tell you the five former Oil King players who you're going to hear today. But first, let's get to some news and notes. And since we're talking Oil Kings, let's just do an Oil Kings uh, update. Since Christmas, here's what's happened. Of course, two big trades the team made immediately upon returning. On the 27th, Edmonton packages Wojtek Port and Ryland Kavasevic as well as a sixth-round pick, to the Moose Jaw Warriors in exchange for a first-rounder in 2025, a second-rounder in 2025, a conditional third-round pick in 2026, as well as uh, import forward Andre Tomasic, who, I, listen, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about him. I know that the, the Warriors took him in the import draft. He played at the Holenka-Gretzky Cup, had no points there. He's played 12 or 13 games so far this year and no points. So I don't know what sort of an impact we, we should expect from him, but I'm sure he'll get more opportunity here than he did on Moose Jaw's roster, which is obviously pretty deep. My initial reaction to this was you're losing Voytek Port and Ryland Kavasovic. As I thought about it a little bit more, you're getting a first and a second round pick for those two guys. That's a pretty good return. As much as they are good players, this is also a, a situation where Edmonton's in last place in their conference. Not eliminated from playoff contention, but it's a pretty uphill climb for sure, uh, and the trade deadline now is less than two weeks away. So does that signal that uh, the Oil Kings are pulling the shoot on the season? Well, maybe, except an hour later they go out and they pick up Grayson Souchin from the Seattle Thunderbirds, as well as his little brother Lucas, who is playing right now in the USHL with the Chicago Steel, and a prospect named Trayson Ashley, who the uh, T-Birds had drafted. He's a defenseman, and they drafted him in the fifth round of the 2023 WHL draft. Still young; he's only fifteen years old, but he's six foot one and one hundred and ninety pounds, so a big defenseman. But Grayson Souchin, a second-round pick of the Florida Panthers in the most recent NHL draft, obviously he is a very talented player. It didn't come cheap. Edmonton had to give up Nathan Pilling, who had been hurt in and out of the lineup this year, probably back in the league next year as a twenty-year-old uh, and one of Edmonton's better scorers. So, so that's a valuable asset to to give up let alone a first-round pick in 2026, a second-round pick in 2024. There's a third and a fifth in 2025, then a seventh thrown in, also in 2024. A couple of uh, conditional picks as well, a second and a third. I'm assuming those conditions would be based on Lucas Sauchin. Uh, right now, it looks like he's going the college route. I don't see. I'm looking at his Elite uh, Prospects uh, profile page. doesn't list a college destination in mind yet. But he is playing for the Chicago Steel this year instead of playing with Grayson in Seattle. But he's 16 years old. He's uh, listed at 5'9 and 174 pounds. He's got 10 points in 28 games. Four of those are goals. So it'd be hard to say that he's having a banner year, but he is only 16. The T-Birds did take him sixth overall in the WHL U.S. Prospect Draft in 2022. And I remember when they did it, they made a big announcement, they introduced him, to the crowd, he and Grayson were both in attendance. There was definitely buzz and excitement about having the Sauchin brothers on the same team. Well, maybe it'll happen at Edmonton. They do obviously have a connection. They're from Grand Prairie. We'll see. Overall, of all the names, all the players that were traded between Edmonton and Moose Jaw in Seattle, I think you, I think it's fair to say Grayson Sauchin is the best of the uh, the lot. My one concern from an Edmonton perspective is that you're trading Pilling and Kavasovic. I would argue Edmonton's two best shooters. Sauchin does put up a lot of points, but he's not a shooter. He is a playmaker. He can score, but definitely a, 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 a pass-first guy. This year in Seattle, he had 21 points in 17 games. Six of them were goals. So you're getting a, a more talented player, but you're giving up maybe some goal scoring. However, Ty Nash has uh, really found his uh, his scoring ability here in Edmonton now. And I've really liked Roan Woodward since he's uh, joined the Oil kings So maybe there's... A trade-off there. Voitek uh, Port I think is a loss, although I don't think he's been quite as good this year as was expected. Unfortunately, got hurt right before the uh, World Junior Championship, so couldn't uh, go and play for Czechia. He was invited to their, he was named to their roster, I believe, but then got hurt. So lots of changes here so far for the Oil King. Are they done? I don't know. Trade deadline is uh, coming up. Oil Kings right now are on the road. In fact, they uh, went to BC. They've played three games. Started in Prince George, then went uh, to Langley to play the Vancouver Giants, and uh, earlier tonight they were in Victoria to play the Royals. Well, you're not expecting a whole lot when you go to Prince George, that's for sure. I mean, what, arguably the top team in the league. The All-Kings beat them. And then you travel down to Vancouver area, they beat the Giants. And then a day after, they go to Victoria, they go to overtime. They don't win, but they get another point. They got five of a possible six points so far in the first three games of this trip. That's good. Now Edmonton will cross the border and uh, spend New Year's in Everett, Washington. Well, they will play the Silver Tips on uh, New Year's Day before coming back into Canada. They've got Kamloops and Kelowna, and then I believe down to Calgary before returning home. And they play uh, some U.S. division teams coming up. That's exciting. Tri-City Americans, the Spokane Chiefs coming to town. So exciting times here uh, for the Oil Kings, who as I speak with you right now, are no longer in dead last. That would be Kamloops. Edmonton has one point more than them, but they have three games in hand. In fact, the Oil Kings, with 33 games played, they have games in hand on every team in the Eastern Conference. Might be one, but it could be as many as three games, as there are a bunch of teams who have played 36 already. So as we sit right now, Edmonton is 12 points back from a playoff spot where the Prince Albert Raiders have 36 points. But PA, Regina, Calgary, those are the three teams immediately in front of them, have played 36, 36, and 34 games. So Edmonton, if they keep on this roll and they get some healthy bodies back, which they have now, they're starting to turn the corner. Skyler Bruce is back in the lineup. Carter Kowalik is back in the lineup. He hasn't been available to them since basically the start of the season. Got hurt on opening night. First shift, I believe. So give the new guys a little bit of time to... uh, Find the right mix with uh, teammates, but Grayson Souchin, two games in, has a goal and assist. I'm looking forward to seeing how this team comes together here and plays uh, for the second half of the season. All right, with that, let's get to uh, this week's special edition of the show. Here's what we're going to do and the players you're going to hear from. We're going to start with Tristan Jari, who uh, joined us way back in Season 8. It was his draft year. Conversation we had, well, this week's show was October 30th of 2012, so this is over 10 years ago that we had uh, Tristan Jari on the pipeline show, it was myself and Dean Millard, you'll hear Dean leading the way here on this interview, uh, from there it'll be Curtis Lazar from season 12 November 1st of 2016 obviously after his time with the Edmonton Oil Kings in fact he was a member of the Ottawa Senators uh, when we did this interview, it'll be myself and Taylor Medic on that one after Lazar, it'll be Jake Neighbors now with the St. Louis Blues and having a heck of a season. Neighbors was on the show February 14th of 2020, and was there anything else going on in the spring of 2020? Hmm. That led into my conversation with Mark Pesic on April 10th of that same year, about two months after the uh, chat with uh, Jake Neighbors. And yeah, you'll be able to you'll have a sense of how things changed in the spring of 2020. And then we'll uh, end things here with uh, Dylan Gunther, who was the most recent of all of these interviews. We'll go back to season 16, June 18th of uh, 2021, right before the NHL draft when Dylan Gunther was in the draft spotlight. So those are the five Oil Kings you're going to hear from. Did have a number of other options, uh, but decided to go with those five. And we will begin with Tristan Jari right now. Here they come into the zone. Right in front by
0: cheek. What a stop by Jari! Post up, post to stop the one timer. That'll bring some life into the building. Tristan Jari is our 2013 draft spotlight player this week. Welcome to the program, Tristan. How are you tonight? Very good. Yourself? Excellent. Uh, congratulations on uh, the victory the other day. And and I guess let's start with kind of what your mindset is this year. Uh, you know, last year you had the chance uh, to watch Laurent Brassois down on his head so many nights. He obviously came in as the number one guy. How does how do you approach this year, knowing that it's a big year for you and your draft year, but you're behind a pretty, um, I guess, um, you, you know, standard or familiar goaltender as far as the Edmonton Oil Kings are concerned.
3: Well, you know, it's about making my counts, uh, my starts count. But the draft is in the back of my head. But then again, it's not really because I do have to play and. The key is getting good starts and hopefully being able to keep that going.
4: Well, uh, you've got five games under your belt this year, and I think the most impressive thing is the, for fans that uh, log on to WHL.ca, they see you're ranked as the number one goaltender right now in the league with a 121 goals against average. Now, you haven't been able to play a whole lot, but when you've played, you've played pretty well, and you got to be happy with that.
3: Yeah, I am happy. Like Like I said, it's about making my starts count. Hopefully I get another opportunity to start and hopefully it's more often so I can stay up there.
0: The game against PA, you know, like, and this is what really impressed me. I didn't get to see a lot of that game, uh, but you know, talking to people, there's probably some goals that you probably should have stopped, and I'd imagine you'd admit that. For a guy that doesn't get to play a lot, that can really weigh on you. But the last two games I have seen you play, particularly the other day when you went post to post, even though the game was kind of in hand, you were able to stay in it. How are you able to to take a start where maybe you you know didn't play as well as you expect yourself to? And then, and then get into the next one that might be a week or two later and not let that one linger in your head.
3: Well, you know, it's basically it all comes down to practice. Like we practice this stuff and then in practice, it helps a lot for the games.
4: Well, you know, you mentioned the first start of the year against, uh, Lethbridge. What a game. Uh, you, uh, you get the shutout in that one. Now at the other end of the rink, Ty Rimmer was standing on his head with, uh, facing 60 shots, but the, the game against PA, uh, as Dino pointed out, uh, A three point oh three goals against average in that one, eight fifty save percentage. Since then, you haven't had a game that was under a nine fifty save percentage. What has it been? Was it uh, you know the performance in that game that's really kind of kickstarted you? And the last three outings for you have been great.
3: Well, you know, last bridge was a good start for my season with a three nothing shutout, and then kind of went a little, a little bit on a downhill after PA, letting in a couple goals. I won back, and ever since then, I've been practicing really hard hoping that all the work I do in practice is paying off for the games.
0: What was your introduction to um, the Edmonton Oil Kings and more specifically Dustin Schwartz and, and his teaching techniques? Um, it's very different. It's the OR sports method. It's all about head trajectory and and following the puck and the head positioning. Uh, it, in talking to to Lyle Mast, who taught Dustin Schwartz that, he feels you've been really uh, grabbed onto that. Uh, what's it been like learning uh, almost a, a brand new way of positioning for yourself after probably you know 15 years of playing goal? I'd imagine you had.
3: Well, everything's different. You always have to be open to new things, and that's why coming into Edmonton Oil Kings with OR sports. It was really eye-opening for me, and it really helped me a lot. And as you can see, I'm continuing to improve with it.
4: You know, I've talked to a lot of people already about the the depth of goaltenders available in the draft this year. And, uh, you know, you go back to the Ivan Holinka camp, uh, Spencer Martin, Zach Foucault, yourself, and Eric Comrie, uh, four really solid netminders. Uh, you had a chance to kind of compare yourself with those guys. And coincidentally, we've had all three of them on the show in the last uh, three consecutive uh, weeks, I believe. Uh how do you compare yourself to them? What, in your opinion, sets you apart?
3: Well, I think sets me apart is probably like everyone works hard and everyone's a very good goalie. It's just basically your mental game. Like you have to stay positive and you have to be confident and you have to know going into the game that, like, you have to mi- have the mindset that you're going to win.
0: Tell us a little bit about your style. um, You know who you who you maybe gleaned from or based yourself off of over your uh, hockey career.
3: Well, over my hockey career, I kind of wanted to set my puck styling, my puck handling style after Marty Turco. But more after, like I like to be calm in the net, more like Marty Brodeur. And I find that being calm in the net really helps me and keeps my mind in the game.
0: I'm down at, uh, Oil King Games, usually around five o'clock. Um, you know, I'm, I'm setting up if we're going live, uh, with global television down there. I almost always see you in the stands at some point. Tell us about your pregame routine. And this happens whether you're starting or the backup, but I always see you out there in the stands. Is there something that you're doing to, re- to relax yourself? Are you going for a walk or, or what is it for your pregame routine?
3: Well, you know, I do everything with the team to start. Like we warm up together as one and then. We play soccer, but then after that, I like to go in the stands and focus on the game, like what I'm gonna do, how I'm gonna con- contribute to the team, and basically, hopefully, how I'm gonna play that night.
0: Are you going through saves in your mind? Are you are you going through scenarios? Or are you just, you know, is there is what what what's specifically goes through your mind?
3: Well, I picture saves that I may have during the game and big saves and winning the game, and then. The other half, I'm just sitting there, taking deep breaths, looking around, watching the crowd, trying to take my mind off the game at points, just trying to relax.
4: Tristan, how much of your preparation for each game is uh, focused on the opposition and guys to watch for, tendencies of the, the, the players on the other team, or is it all about playing your game and getting yourself focused on what you have to do?
1: Well, I
3: try and focus more on my game, but Dustin does warn me before the game, telling me what to look for in other teams' tendencies. And I find that really helps me during the game
4: you're uh, a kid from b c which means you're billeting out here do you uh is there another oil king that uh is uh rooming with you
3: no I'm all by myself. I actually have two billet brothers one is twenty one and one is eighteen
0: is is that because you're a goalie and they don't want to put you with anybody else is lauren brossoit by himself too
3: no Lauren Broussois actually has two billet brothers as well I find it this like on day offs, you get to hang out with them and really keeps you away from hockey when you should be away from hockey.
0: Um, it, you know, it's it's funny, we talked to different guys before the games, uh, you know, we talked to Jane and Risling uh, from the Calgary Hitman, and, and it's obvious he's pretty good friends with guys like Keegan Lowe and, and Stefan Legault. Uh, who's a guy out there that you maybe grew up with that when you play against him, you know it's going to be a, a fun matchup, especially because you're a goaltender. Is there a, a good friend that you have in the Western Hockey League that you keep in touch with a lot and, and you look forward to playing against?
3: Well, growing up, uh, one of the kids always w- watched those Curtis Lazar and, Luckily, he's on our team this year. But another guy is Nicholas Petan, the Portland Winterhawks. He's always very shifty, and he's great with the puck.
0: So you obviously have some bragging rights after last year then?
3: Yeah, a little bit, but we don't brag about it too much, seeing how it's a new season.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: There's uh, new things that can
0: happen. Uh, tell us about Curtis Lazar. He he is awesome. And, and in practice, uh, what's the, the most difficult thing and the toughest thing about stopping him? Is it his shot, or is it his, his deking ability?
3: Well, I think it's his hard work. Like He never gives up on the puck, but he does have a great shot, and once in a while, I'm sad to say it does beat me.
0: <laughs> well, you're not alone uh, with a lot of WHL goaltenders, and you won't be alone in, in that fact. But uh, Tristan, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, best of luck, particularly in December when uh, Laurent Persuade is at uh, Canada's World Junior Camp, and you're going to be carrying the
4: load. Uh, enjoy the road trip.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Take care.
4: All right, there's uh, Tristan Jari, a very young Tristan Jari, in conversation with uh, myself and Dean Millard from way back in 2012, He was a highly touted player but a rookie. And some of those o- other goaltenders that we mentioned, uh, Eric Comrie, who did play some games in the NHL, uh, Zach Fucali, who was never a guy that I, I really thought was uh, going to have an NHL career for some reason. I just his, his numbers in the, in the queue didn't excite me and really hasn't. I mean, he's been a decent American Hockey League goaltender, but uh, none of the goalies that year have had the amount of NHL success that Tristan Jarry has enjoyed with the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right, when we come back, we are going to hear from another a former oil king, one of the most popular oil kings of all time. His name is Curtis Lazar. We'll uh, revisit that conversation when we come back. You're listening to a special episode of the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
0: Obey Kubel, in on Orvin, gets by, saved by Jari, what a stop, another another chance, Richard,
1: saved by Jari, another chance, didn't make it through, Jari down, covers it up in a huge
0: pile in front, Tristan Jari keeps the Oil Kings season alive.
3: Hey, it's Tristan Jari from the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Trevor is lonely. Yeah. So Trevor threw a big party and served salad. Nobody came. Mike is also lonely. Yeah, it sucks, man. So Mike threw a big party and served Wilhawk beef jerky. Go Wilhawk!
5: Go Wilhawk! Everybody came!
0: Wilhawk beef jerky. Because you don't win friends with salad. Wilhawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc, Bruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, my.
4: Welcome back to this very special best of edition of The Pipeline Show. The program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Absolutely amazing beef jerky. I went to uh, both locations in uh, Leduc and Spruce Grove right before Christmas. The line was outside the door. That's how in-demand Wilhock Beef Jerky is. People were trying to get some uh, for the holiday break, and I completely understand why. Check them out at WilhockBeefJerkey.com. We go from Tristan Jari in the opening segment to Curtis Lazar in this segment, all the way back to Season 12, November 1st, 2016. Uh, Curtis Lazar, this would have been after his uh, time with the Edmonton Oil Kings, in fact, This was at the beginning of year three of his professional career. Still a member of the Ottawa Senators organization, but things went off the rails for him in training camp. Came down with mono. Played two full seasons uh, with the Senators in uh, 2014-15-16. Had 15 points as a rookie. Had 20 points in his second year. And he was getting ready to uh, begin year three. Gets mono. Gets sent down to the Binghamton Senators. And that's where we have this conversation it's myself and uh, taylor medic with curtis lazar
5: 205 in the game 1-1 contest veroni off the far wall sliced down, plays in front and they score on the back door it's lazar who scores a power play tally
4: obviously the uh, road team's a uh, radio call of that goal uh curtis because it doesn't sound like you made his day
6: <laughs> and i think the best part of that goal i mean it's People don't know it, but it was Ashton Sotner that held me down there that led to that power play. So, a little revenge, there, a lot of fun. So I'm glad I got to silence those uh, Utica commentators.
4: That's funny when you guys when you're on the ice. I mean, you're not friends, right? But when you play against or uh, meet up, cross pass with former Edmonton Oil King teammates, do you make? Do you go out of your way to make sure you guys uh, say hello?
6: Yeah, of course. I mean, it's that friendship that uh, you do develop over the years, and especially you know the. The good times that we've had in Edmonton, um, you know, playing there against Ashton and Saunders. My first time seeing him play since with the Oakings and you know, he looked fantastic. And another guy was, uh, Brandon Baddock in Albany. Um, he didn't get in the lineup, but just, just to see those guys, it's good to keep tabs on them. Cause I, I mean, you are friends there on and off the ice.
5: Well, Curtis, uh, tough start to, to the year for you personally, uh, ending up, uh, in Binghamton and, and getting sick through training camp, uh, coming down with mono, I guess, for for us that don't know, how did uh, how did you you get? Not so much how did you get it, but when did you feel ill, and, and when was it diagnosed?
6: Yeah, that was a really tough part. Um, you know, for myself coming to my third year, I was very motivated to uh, you know contribute for the Sens with their new coaching staff coming into play. And it was about mid-August, um, I really you know amped up my training there just to finish off the summer, and I started skating a little bit more and. Uh, you know, just didn't feel right some days. And I thought it was like, a common and cold and like, a few days went by and you just ignore it. You power through it. I mean, if most people do. And the one night, I mean, I had to get rushed to the hospital with uh, some pretty severe chills and a fever. And they, uh, you know, did a couple of tests on that and they let me know that mono. So it was, uh, it's pretty tough knowing that, uh, I was right at that deadline where, I mean, my goal is to be ready for opening night. And I literally just made that. And it wasn't really a fair situation for myself to be put into the, the starting lineup right then.
4: So this is the first taste of the American Hockey League that you've had in your pro career. This is uh, season number three as a pro for you. When they, uh, talked to you about, uh, heading down to Binghamton, did they, I mean, have you been told? Is it, you're, you're only going down for two, three weeks and then you're coming back up or how did they put it to you?
6: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Pierre Dorian and, uh, you know, coach Keith they're very good with, uh, you know, talking to me. I, I kind of have the, the idea in my mind that I'd be down here just to get a, a feel for my legs and, uh, you know, East in the things to start the season and uh, that's exactly what happened but I mean, I'll mean, be honest with you guys I mean I haven't heard much since that and that's kind of been the the most difficult part for myself is I don't know really where I stand or what's going on all I know is I'm, I'm playing some pretty solid hockey I'm I'm embracing it uh down here in Binghamton I'm having a lot of fun the guys have been really uh you know welcoming to me and uh you know we have a good mix of a couple veteran guys and some young guys so it's been a lot of fun.
5: For you personally, what are you wanting to work on in your time down in the American League? I mean, you kind of just touched on just getting under your legs and, and getting a feel for being back out on the ice.
6: Well, of course. And I think the big thing too with me is, uh, you know, my offensive side. Um, I displayed quite a bit there and, uh, you know, I've been sitting with the oil kings, my goal scoring and, you know, it's, it's been pretty fun so far. I mean, I only have a couple goals. I, I probably could have a couple more and a few assists to go along with that. But, you know, I'm playing like I did with the oil kings and I'm getting that opportunity to be more of a, a go-to guy in situations that I really didn't get a chance to, to have with the senators in my first two seasons. You know, there I was kind of a, you know, I didn't really have a role that was defined. I was a filler because uh I am pretty versatile up front. So just to be here and uh you know, I worked a lot in the summer with, you know, my goal scoring and my individual skill, but I didn't get a chance to show that at the NHL level yet. So to be on here, I mean like I'm playing the point on the power play, I'm you know, killing penalties and I'm playing a lot five on five. So that's the stuff that really, you know, you have to take in a day at a time and just embrace.
4: Curtis Lazar of the uh, Ottawa Senators Organization, first round pick. 17th overall in uh, the 2013 NHL draft. He joins us uh, tonight here on the pipeline show. You mentioned uh, your versatility as a forward and, and I wonder, is there a negative at all to that and not being a specific guy? I mean, you, you can play the wing. You can play down the middle. Um, is there, you can be a, a top six guy or of a, uh, more of a bottom, line guy if need be. Um, is there at all a disadvantage to that? Cause that, that seems to me that it makes you sound like a really valuable player in my mind. It, the way you worded that last answer was almost like it was kind of a detriment in some ways
6: yes and no i mean it's what you make of it so you know obviously if you get the chance to play in a you know a top six role in a different position you're going to take it you're going to do your best to flourish in that role but i know for myself i really just couldn't get anything going um mm. like i said i literally felt like a filler i mean i'd play one game left wing next game would be center and the next would be right wing or you know what Common occurrence that I play all three positions within one game, so wow. it was more so just that uh, survivor swim mentality. That was it was pretty tough for myself, but you know I pride myself in it. I'm going to work hard every time I step in the ice. But I you know that's something I talked to the organization about. Is I did get drafted as a centerman, and that's where I'm playing now in Binghamton. And I probably will slide to the wing in Ottawa once I get back up there. But you know, hopefully in the, the long term, I will have one set position that I can really flourish at.
4: It, it's that would be it would be hard to find your groove when you're moving around like that is that basically what the, a large part of the issue was for you so far
6: yeah of course i mean you're playing with new linemates and stuff a lot and that yeah. finally got to a point where you know I kind of requested said look put me somewhere that I know I'm going to be and that happened to be the fourth line center role which you know again is we had call-ups and stuff coming on the occasion because uh our team we didn't fare so well last year but again for myself it's just a matter of getting your confidence going and you know I'm very excited. For when I get that opportunity, and I feel like I deserve that opportunity this season because I did put in a lot of work to get back healthy, and you know I'm feeling strong and I'm feeling very good about my game, so you know I'm chomping for the bit to get that uh, call, and I, I can't wait to make the most of it.
5: Through the first six games in the American League, what do you notice about the difference between uh, and the NHL and the AHL?
6: You know, it's uh, it's a very strong league. Um, the guys, you know, it's such a slim margin from the NHL level, but then there's that the area too where it is a little bit more scrambly and. For myself is I guess I kind of think the game a little differently than some players, and it's that fine line between uh, you know cheating your system and your structure so you can be around the puck a little bit more or you know playing disciplined enough that you know you're in the right position, so it is a learning curve, but I know for myself it's a matter just to, I think the you know i guess the team kind of wants me to take it upon myself to. You'll grab that puck and, you know, rush with it and shoot it a lot. So it, it is a feeling out process. And I mean, the big thing that the, the centers told me is they don't expect me to dominate because it's pretty tough to do that. And I don't expect that either because there are, you know, great players in this league and it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. So again, it's just a matter of playing my game, which I have. And like I said, is I feel like the curse are of the oil king days.
4: I was going to ask you if, uh, you know, having never played in the American hockey league before, uh, before up until this, uh, this, uh, short stint here so far this year. Are you surprised at the quality of it? I mean, going two years in the NHL and then down to the farm, r- were you thinking, man, this isn't going to be that hard, and it's been harder than you thought?
6: No, not at all. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't expect to dominate at all, but it, it's a pretty funny situation and a different scenario because I don't think many guys have gone from scoring you know, their first goal in the NHL before their first goal in the American League. And I mean, I'm still one of the youngest guys on the team at the age of 21, but I got the second most. NHL experience on the roster just behind Zach Stortini. So it's, it's a little different because I can play that leadership role quite a bit. But no, I mean, I go there and play my game and there's a lot of coaching involved because at the American League level, when, you know, I'm expecting a play to be made or looking for someone to be open, they're not always going to be there. And that just uh, makes me think quick on my toes and you know, you have to adapt. So, but I mean, any level really in pro hockey is a lot of players know how to skate. Shoot and pass and all that. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, working hard and getting better, developing.
5: Well, we talked about how you're, you're playing a few different roles, uh, up front, uh, so far in your career. You get a chance with Zach Stortini to, to learn how to drop the gloves and throw a good punch.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave that to him. And that was the one thing that the guys always refer to the American hockey league as the jungle. And we've had a couple of close calls with, uh, you know, a few scrums and whatnot, but, other than, I mean, I'm going to stick to my game. That's uh, putting the puck in the back of the net and leave the, the cuffs to a guy like him.
4: Well, I have to ask you to, Curtis, to reflect a bit on your, uh, your days with the oil kings. And I know it seems, you know, we, we talked to a lot of guys on the show and we've, uh, well, we've, we've known a lot of uh, guys through the WHL who once they get to the, the pro ranks, they kind of put their WHL days in the rear, rear mirror and they they don't look back very often, but, in September, uh, as the Oil Kings were getting ready for the uh, the start of the season, you actually tweeted out, you know, good luck to the Edmonton Oil Kings this year. And it seems to me, from from uh, from our vantage point here, that you're always thinking about the Oil Kings uh, from time to time. And one of the uh, years you came through with the Ottawa Senators, you took part in an Oil Kings video that they were doing and stuff. Um, it, it seems to me you really you really enjoyed your time as an Oil King. Fair to say?
6: Oh, of course. I mean. You know, in all honesty, it really did shape me to be, uh, the, the person I've become, you know, a time away. And, you know, I still keep in touch with, uh, a lot of uh, the, the staff because, you know, they're such a, a big part of my success and I'm never going to forget that. And, you know, when I got sent down, probably the biggest disappointments or most motivations for myself was I wanted to get back for this Western road trip for, First chance was, uh, you know, to be able to check out Rogers place there in Edmonton. I hear it's just incredible. And the second one is I would have been in the night before we played the Oilers on Sunday, which would have let me watch, uh, the Oil Kings play the Medicine Hat Tigers, which All I was right. really looking forward to. And it didn't work out that way, but you know, I'm, like I said, I'm still young. I think there's going to be plenty of chances to stop in the, the Oil Kings room, but man, I'm, I feel a little bit older since each year by year. I mean, there's <laughs> new players and you know, that's good to see that number 27 out in the ice again. So. Yo, I'm always embrace it. I'm off like the guys say it's once an oil king, always an oil king.
4: Senators forward, uh Curtis Lazar, former Edmonton Oil King, uh joining us here tonight on the Pipeline show. Uh Curtis, ninety nine goals as an, a member of the Oil Kings in hundred and ninety-nine games. Just that close to uh hitting those uh those plateaus, hundred goals and uh and two hundred games. Yeah. Maybe you're only one game away from hitting that mark. Only two guys scored more uh as Oil Kings uh than you did. Happen to know who those two guys would be? Who'd you guess?
6: Well, first off is I, I happened to be a healthy scratch on my would have been my two hundredth game and I was determined to get goal number one hundred. So uh you can blame Derek Raxel on that one. <laughs> but uh um the other thing, oh I'd have to say uh Michael Saint Croix would be up there for sure.
4: Yeah, hundred and twenty eight, he's number one. The other guy's got two goals more than you. Two goals. But he played 338 games, so there's the tip. I want to say, yeah, TJ Foster. There you I go. Say. Now, how many other Oil Kings, uh, former Oil King teammates, have you crossed paths with uh, since uh, since you turned pro?
6: Well, I mean, I, I played against Mark Pesek uh, a couple times. Um, who else? I mean, I, on the ice, it's it's been tough. Um, I've ran into uh, you know and Keegan Lowe, David Musial, Mitch Moraz uh, at a couple NHLPA events, but. You know, I'm, I'm still keeping great touch with Brett Pollock, um, going through his time that he makes now at the Calgary Flames and his transition to pro, which I'm really trying to help him out with. So, like I said, his playing against, uh, Ashton Sautner was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. scheduled to play, uh, Tristan Jari here on Friday. So hopefully he'll let me get a couple goals. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy how small the hockey world is and we really look at how fortunate our teams were at Edmondson with the oil kings and what we we're able to accomplish and you know, a winning tradition leads to more opportunity up the ranks and the guys are seizing that opportunity and you know, I can't wait to be facing off with more guys in the NHL soon.
5: Canada, Russia, super series coming to Edmonton. You played in one of those games a few years ago. Uh, you've donned the, the red and white, of course, at the World Juniors, but specifically, what's it like suiting up, uh, with your, your fellow, uh, league members in Team WHL going up against Russia? What are those games like? It's fun.
6: Um, it's really cool dynamic because, you know, you keep tabs on, uh, your opposition and your friends throughout the Western Hockey League over the time. And some of the guys you see quite a bit more than others, but you get the chance to play alongside some guys that you see are on a toward pace or whatnot. It's, it's fun and every time you bring international competition you know a feisty team like the russians in the in the town is you know there's a lot of pride on the line and you know i'll remember uh i guess i think it was an underage and i played my first year there in uh, vancouver and we, vancouver victoria it was, that was my first year when playing against uh Neil yakupov there on the russian squad and just how skilled he was and then playing in uh red deer the next year it's it's fun you know it's a cool dynamic and I guess they're starting out west this year. You know, so hopefully they can, uh, start the series off with, uh, you know, a good couple of games and then let the Ontario League and the queue
2: take care of the rest.
4: Well, no oil kings on the ice for the game, uh, this year, but, uh, Steve Hamilton and, uh, Brian Cheeseman and Rogan Dean will all be working the game, uh, here in Edmonton. Uh, Cheese and Hammy are actually, uh, on the staff in, uh, in PG as well. And of course, uh, Cheese is on the, uh, on the bench for the, for Hockey Canada for the World Juniors again this year. So. Lots of Oil King there are, flavor. No,
6: they're, they're no excuses for the players. They know they'll be taking well well taken care of. So it's up to the players just to perform.
4: There you go. A plug from Curtis Lazar for the bench staff for the Oil Kings. Uh, thanks for doing this, Curtis. Best of luck uh, in your uh, stay in, on the farm, and uh, hopefully we see you back in the NHL sooner rather than later. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. See ya. There it was. Curtis Lazar, then of the Ottawa Senators slash uh, Binghamton Senators, in conversation with myself. And uh, Taylor Medic, that one went all the way back to November 1st of 2016. That was season 12 here of the Pipeline Show. Lazar would end up playing 13 games for the uh, Senators, had four points, got recalled, played 33 games, just one point, though, with the Senators there, uh, and then ended the year with the Calgary Flames, where he had three points in four games, got into one playoff game for the uh, the Flames that year as well. The next season... A full year with the Calgary Flames, 12 points. The year after that, a full season back in the AHL with the Stockton Heat, where he had 20 goals and 41 points in 57 games. Then he moved to the Buffalo Sabres and played two-thirds of the regular season with the uh, Sabres in the year that ended with COVID shutting everything down. Played 33 games the next season with Buffalo, then moved to Boston for a season and a bit. Began the next year with the Vancouver Canucks, but finished it with the New Jersey Devils, and that is where he is right now. He's got 10 points in 30 games with the New Jersey Devils this season, including four goals. Curtis Lazar, easily one of the most popular and well-liked members of the Edmonton Oil Kings, and a really well-spoken kid, too. And I shouldn't say kid, he's now 28 years old. Man, I feel old. Lazar's having a good year, but uh, one Oil King is having an even better year at the NHL level this season. That would be Jake Neighbors of the St. Louis Blues. Let's revisit his conversation with us during his draft season. For that, we're going back to season 15, February 14th. It was Valentine's Day. Jake Neighbors, that conversation next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
1: Hey, it's Jake Neighbors from the Edmonton Oil King.
0: Sawchuck. Here comes Neighbors driving wide.
5: Backhander. Scores! What a shot! Oh, Jake
0: Davis Backhander on the rush. It's 4-3 Edmondson. And you're listening to the Pipeline
1: Show.
5: Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy Sundays all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender,
0: seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And
3: best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the
5: campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
2: And boom goes the dynamite.
4: Welcome back to the special best of edition of The Pipeline Show. We're featuring former Edmonton Oil Kings who are currently in the NHL or have played in the NHL. Some of these interviews are when they were Edmonton Oil Kings. Some, a couple of them at least, guys looking back at their time with the Edmonton Oil Kings. In this segment, it's a conversation I had with Jake Neighbors In his NHL draft season for this one, we are going all the way back to season 15. It was February 14th, or at least the episode that came out on Valentine's Day in 2020. I felt that it was appropriate to revisit this conversation with Jake, considering the season he is currently having with the St. Louis Blues. Heck of a year for Neighbors, so let's revisit that conversation now, here comes Jake Neighbors pouring in over the Moose line. Cuts his way through the defense on his forehead. He scores! It's a block party at Rogers' place as the Neighbors have arrived on Teddy Bear Toss Night and it's 2 2. Might be the nicest goal of Jake Neighbors' career so far, and that's saying something. What a fantastic individual effort by the captain to get this goal. This game is right back up to 11. What an outstanding goal. He He's deking out the whole team. That's McDavid-esque. Holy cow. My guest is Jake Neighbors of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Jake, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Gee. No problem. Uh, I've actually been looking forward to having you on for a while. A big year for you. You're playing well. The team is playing well. I think everything is going pretty much according to plan, isn't it? Yeah, for
1: sure. I think coming into the year, we had some uh, expectations. As a team, and obviously personally, and uh, you know, so far, like you said, it's going pretty good for us.
4: Right now, the team in first place in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, and uh, right there at the top of the standings in uh, the entire league. A uh, bit of a cushion between yourself and Lethbridge, but things uh, can change so quickly in this league. You really can't afford to take a night off, can you?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I think, uh especially in the division we're playing in, I think every night we got to be on top of our game and. Uh, we still got four games remaining here against Lethbridge, I believe. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, anything can happen in those games, and they can tighten it up on us uh, pretty quick. So, uh, we got to stay on top of our game and, and just keep winning here, and, and try to expand our league or our lead, and or uh, just hold it where it's at.
4: Yeah, pretty busy weekend too. You got uh, a game on Friday. You got Medicine Hat on Saturday, and then those Hurricanes on Monday. But you can't look past Regina. I mean, those are two points that are just as valuable as two points against anybody else.
1: Yeah, I think anytime you're you have the opportunity to get two points, you want to you know take that opportunity. And um, I think just because of where Regina's at in the standings doesn't mean we can take them lightly. I think you know they work hard; they're a lot like a team like at Deer, and they're gonna come out and push you physically. And, and we got to be ready for that and, and make sure that uh, we get two points.
4: For yourself, Jake, second full year in the league. You did play 11 games in your uh, previous season before uh, last year, before your full rookie year, but. Um, you've already blown past last year's numbers. I know last year you you missed a a chunk of time due to injury, but what were your expectations coming into this year in regards to the amount of numbers you thought you could put together? Is this what you expected? Are you exceeding your expectations, or do you still have more to go, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously there's always room for development, but um, obviously with, you know, the amount of guys that we had exit last year that were big scorers for us, I think it was important for me to come into this year um, you know, knowing that I'm gonna get a bigger role and, and kind of embracing that, and I think I've done a pretty good job of it. And um, as far as where I'm at right now, I, I'm happy with my numbers. I think I've maybe exceeded, you know, um, where I thought I could be this year for sure. And um, you know, so that's that's good uh, for the confidence uh, for sure. But um, you know, I still think I have more untapped potential, and I, you know, I'm trying to release and maybe become a more of a consistent player um, in the league every single night. So. Um, you know, there's definitely you know more room for growth, and uh, but for sure, I'm happy with where I'm at and the numbers I've produced.
4: Now, I I'm spoiled because I get to watch uh, the Oil Kings uh, all the time, uh, so I know the answer to some of these questions. But for the audience that doesn't have that ability, uh, who have you been your line mates for the the most part this year?
1: Yeah, I think kind of um, for the most part of them playing with Riley Sawchuk for sure, and then um, as of late, about just before Christmas and after Christmas. Um, it's been pretty consistent that we've had Dylan Gunther on our wing, and us three have worked pretty well. I think so.
4: Yeah, you got a, a seasoned veteran like Sawchuck, and then the uh, the young rookie in in, uh, in Dylan Gunther. Expectations pretty high for him uh, next year, and and in his in his WHL career. Do you almost find like you're taking on a bit of a, a leadership role in regards to him and helping bring him along a bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, you know Dylan's a very mature kid, and you know he knows his game and what he needs to do every single night, but. I think, you know, there's obviously some adjustments for every single player that's, you know, stepped into the league. And um, I've been here for Dylan to, you know, help him out with any questions he needed or, um, you know, just, you know, being a nice guy in terms of making him more comfortable at the start of the year and, you know, maybe seeing new faces for him. So, um, but yeah, I think he's done a heck of a job stepping up and, and you know, being a big time producer for us and um, he's having a heck of a rookie season and, um, you know, he's a great guy in the room as well. So um, he's doing great things for sure.
4: Jake Neighbors is my guest. He's a forward with the Edmonton Oil Kings. This is the 2020 Draft Spotlight segment, and uh, I told you before we started that not everybody that's hearing this interview right now will uh, be WHL fans and, and may have never seen you play, uh, but come draft day, they're going to want to know who Jake Neighbors is. So let's get some uh, background, if you don't mind. Jake, where are you from?
1: Yeah, so I'm from uh, Airdrie, Alberta. I grew up there until
4: um, I was about
1: 13, summer of 13. I moved away to Kelowna, played year of hockey in Kelowna, and came back and was in South Calgary with my father and I played, uh, my midget year there with the Calgary Buffaloes. And, mm-hmm. um, ever since I've, you know, been with the oil Kings and, uh, yeah. for yeah.
4: Have you always been a forward Jake or at any point during your minor hockey career, did you find yourself on the blue line or heck, I even throw the pads on uh, once or twice?
1: Yeah, I think I played goalie maybe in tyke with no pads on, but, um, <laughs> no, I, I played defense actually for, you know, a couple of years when I was, uh, Probably in that age of seven to nine, I think I played hockey and, or I played defense, sorry. And, um, you know, I was pretty good at it in terms of rushing the puck. And that was kind of the idea that, um, you know, I'd switch to forward and see how that went. And ever since kind of just took it off at that point and, um, better steady forward from that, from that on. So
4: take me back to the Bantam draft uh, and tell me what that day was like for you. I've I've talked to a lot of players on the show and, you know, some of them got to stay home from school. Uh, others would be at school and, just following along on their phones or something. What was a draft day like for you?
1: Yeah, for me, I was uh, actually playing in a tournament in Philadelphia. Um, I had a bunch of, you know, highly touted Western hockey prospects on my team. And we actually had a game that, that morning. So we didn't really know where we were going to be at. We The game was done when we, we got to about the 15th pick, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, most of us on the team have gone already. And <laughs> uh, it was pretty cool when I got off the ice and saw my family and just gave a big hug and, you know kind of felt accomplished uh you put in a lot of hard work during that season i mean know, you play a lot of hockey to you know showcase yourself and try and get yourself in the best possible um, situation you can i think i've done a good job of that i couldn't be happier with where i am now so um obviously it means more to more and more to me every single day as i you know enjoy my time here at the oil kings and but yeah for sure it was an amazing day
4: now, you're a Calgary area kid uh, from Airdrie, but, uh, you know, close enough to Calgary to say that you're from that area. Uh, pretty healthy rivalry between uh, Calgary and Edmonton. So, what did it mean for you? What was your initial reaction when you heard it was the Kings? Was part of you like, oh man, I gotta go to Edmonton? Or, I don't know, were you excited about it?
1: I think I was super excited about it. I never really had, uh, you know, a big, uh, support, you know, stand for the, for the Hinton themselves. So, Um, You know, I was super happy when I finally got to go to Edmonton. And, you know, playing Roger's Place, obviously, is a part of it. um, You know, I think ever since almost I've been here, the rivalry's kind of picked up a little bit. Some of the guys said it it wasn't much of one before. But, um, you know, it's really picked up lately and, uh, you know, over the last two years. And it's been super exciting for me to, you know, get to play those super meaningful games and high-intensity games in my hometown and have a lot of family and friends there to see it. Um, It's something special. It's fun.
4: Now, Mark Passack, I remember telling me he w- he grew up a Calgary Flames fan and obviously cheering for them behind enemy lines here as he was an Edmonton kid. What about for you as an NHL uh, fan? Uh, who was your team uh, as a youngster?
1: I was the same. I was, uh, you know, kind of cross enemy lines. I was an Oilers fan growing up. Uh, most of my family is from Saskatchewan, so they kind of had the choice on what team they wanted to choose for no team being out there, and <laughs> um, you know, all of them have been Oilers fans um for my grandpa's great grandpa's all the way down to me so um it was kind of just gifted to me almost but yeah i've been i uh, i've been an oilers fan um from day one and uh you know still on now so
4: so a little extra special you get to play in the same building and uh, i i know you're not uh, hanging out with them on a daily basis but you might cross paths with them every once in a while uh, at roger's place that's got to be pretty cool
1: yeah it's super cool for sure i think uh the whole idea of you know cheering for a team your whole life and then all of a sudden you're right down the hall from is pretty exciting and um, you know I think you know you almost grow accustomed to it when you're playing in this building but you know you kind of take take a step back and um, you know just remember your your days as a kid and how much you love this team and it's pretty cool for sure.
4: Now for fans who have never seen you play a game, uh, how would you describe yourself? Give me a, a bit of a self-scouting report on Jake Neighbors.
1: Yeah, I think I'm a two-way power forward who. Um, you know, plays with a with an edge in his game and brings a lot of physicality as much as I can. And but at the same time, I I think I possess skill and um you know vision to make plays and and score goals as well. So, um you know I think the biggest tangible to my game is kind of that physical aspect and maybe being a bit of a pest out there sometimes. But, um you know I I think at the same time I you know I skate well and um I can get around the ice and make plays and um
4: yeah. Five eleven, about two hundred pounds. Is that are those accurate numbers?
1: Well, oh, five eleven and a half. I think one ninety
4: four. Five eleven and a half. You got to throw the half in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's on a bad hair day. <laughs> yeah. When you're looking at the rest of this season between now and the draft, lots can happen. Obviously, playoffs, things like that. But are there parts of your own game that you're still trying to hone and and uh, to the, to work on the most to get prepared for the next level?
1: Yeah, I think you know, like I said earlier, there's always uh, um, room for growth and. Um, I think for me, what came really clear for me early in the season, which is kind of what made me special and, you know, what separated me from other players. And, um, you know, I think just perfecting that craft uh, over the season is something I, you know, I'm going to continue to work on and making it more effective and, and making it consistent as well. I think the type of game I play, it's not going to be there every single night, but, um, you know, finding a way to to make it there as much as you can and, and being an effective player every single night um, is something I'm definitely trying to work on and, um, you know, obviously skating, shooting, um, strength, all those things need to be developed to play at the next level. And, um, you know, I think there's growth for every player out there and obviously for me as well. So, um, you know, biggest thing for me is continue to grow and, and just keep getting better.
5: Now,
4: big season for you, obviously, that it is your draft year and started way back in August for you getting to play in the Holinka Gretzky Cup. What was that opportunity like getting to go overseas and represent your country?
1: Yeah, super special for sure to get to, you know, fly over there to 20 guys and, you know, put on that jersey, and, and you know, those guys are such high-class guys, high-class players, and um, it was super super uh, good experience for me to get over there and, you know, meet some new faces and maybe uh, reconnect with some old ones, and, um, you know, like I said earlier, just kind of throwing on that jersey is special every single time, so, um, you know, it was a super cool experience for me, for sure.
4: No points, though, in the tournament uh, in five games, and stats don't always, uh, you know, tell the whole story. How did you feel about the way you played there?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think I had a different role there. I don't think necessarily points to something I was focused on there. And, yeah. um, you know, we had guys like Bifield, Perfetti, Lapierre, and, uh, you know, Jarvis, they were going to score their goals. And I think, you know, that's something when you play for Hockey Canada, you're going to have a different role almost every time. And, you know, I took pride in being a leader and, um, you know, playing a strong 2 foot game and, and being physical and blocking shots. And I had a heavy PK role. So, um, you know, obviously I think, I think I did my part well. And, um, you know, obviously, Numbers are something that, you know, I like to bring as well. And it would have been nice to, you know, pot a couple goals there or something. But, um, I think overall I, I had a steady tournament. I thought I wasn't bad to any sense. And, um, obviously could have been better, but, um, I didn't think I was horrible or anything like that. So.
4: No, the reports I got were that even though there was no production, you were one of Canada's best players, uh, in the tournament. And the fact that you can play any, anywhere in the top, you know, in the forward group and, and take on any responsibility being that sort of Swiss Army Knife player uh, that's pretty valuable
1: yeah for sure I think uh, in that tournament I had a taste of you know every single role I um, you know, got a couple shifts on the power play maybe if I was lucky and and then uh, you know played in a, on a really good line with Byfield and Jarvis there for the round robin for the most part and, mm-hmm. um, you know that was pretty special two high-end players and you know we had success for sure and, um, and then I got you know moved down in the lineup a little bit to try and create some more offense maybe we were slumping a little bit and um, you know, players really great Jean-Luc Foudy, which you know is a, a hell of a third line. So, um, you know, it was a great experience for me. I jumped all around, and obviously, like I said, played that PK role and being flexible is something I take pride in. and I think it's very valuable as well. So,
4: just a couple more minutes with uh, Jake Neighbors here of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, the draft, uh, I guess, we're what about four months away? Uh, do you spend much time thinking about it? Because you know, I again, I talk to a lot of players, and some guys say they don't want to think about it because it could be a distraction. Other guys say I want to see where I'm ranked. It's a bit of a motivator. What about for you, Jake?
1: Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'm more of a guy who's just kind of focused on what's going on here and what we're doing. And I um, you know, obviously, I'm going to look at the rankings and things like that. But um, you know, no matter where you are, I think you got to be hungry all the time. I think you know, if you're high, you want to stay there. If you're low, you want to move up. And uh, so, whatever way you put it, you're going to, you want to stay hungry. So um, for me, I'm just focusing on what's going on here. And I think you know, maybe a bit earlier in the season when you're talking to teams and. Um, it's in your brain a little bit more, but you know now that we're getting down to playoffs, uh, they kind of leave you alone maybe a little bit, and let you focus on your club, and um, you know so I'm really starting to you know try to perfect my game here and uh, tighten things up here um, around the dressing room to go into this playoff stretch here. So
4: there's really no question if you're going to get drafted, so there's no pressure that way. Does it matter where? Like if you're a first round pick or you're just inside the second round, is that a big difference in your mind or is there something about being a first round pick that that's a goal you want to achieve?
1: Yeah, I think obviously it's a goal for me to go in the first round and, um, you know, it's obviously pretty special to go in that, in the first round there and, and you'll know, be recognized like that. But I think at the same time, if I slip to the second, uh, or the third, I'm not going to be upset about it. Um, you know, I think I've done what I, what I can to make a name for myself and, um, you know, make myself a highly touted prospect and um, you know, I'll just be thankful for whatever team uh, you know, puts a draft pick on me. So um I think for me just the biggest thing is uh, you know, going in there with an open mind and knowing anything can happen and um, you know, you're going up against, you know, two hundred players almost that are the best in the world. So um, you know, if you're going anywhere in those, you know, top two rounds is, is something pretty
4: special. So Excellent. Jake, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I enjoy getting to watch you play, too. You're, uh, you're an easy guy to cheer for, put it that way. Certainly wish you the best of luck. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Key. appreciate it. That was Jake Neighbors, the uh, pride of Airdrie, Alberta. What an Oil King he was. His best full season with the Oil Kings, 70 points, uh, 23 goals in 64 games. That was his draft year. The next season obviously cut short because of uh, the COVID bubble. In 19 games, he had 33 points. So if you're going by points per game, obviously that was his best year. He began the 2021-22 season with the St. Louis Blues. Played nine games, had a couple of points, was returned to the Oil Kings. He put on the Captain C, then led Edmonton to a Western Hockey League championship. Now in his second full season with the Blues, he's got 14 points in 35 games. 12 of those are goals this year. Really enjoyed Jake as an Oil King Great personality on and off the ice. And kind of a throwback to a former Edmonton Oil King, the original face of the franchise, Mark Pesek. Similar personalities, both of them. And about two months after that conversation with Jake, I had a conversation with Mark Pesek. Because COVID was in full swing, the early days of COVID, but everything was shut down. So I decided to call Mark Pesek and get him to reflect on his time with the Oil Kings, looking at his NHL career as well. So we're going to share that conversation next. From one captain to another, Mark Pesek of the Oil Kings, he's up next. You're listening to this special edition of the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky.
3: Hi, this is Curtis Lazar of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Hey, it's Brett Pollock. Hi, I'm Keegan Wolf. Hey, it's Tristan Jari. Hi, this is uh, Lauren Breslau. Griffin Reinhardt. This is Aaron Irving. Hey, it's Dyson Mayo. This is Henrik Samuelson. I'm Thomas Winsler. Hey, I'm
7: Mark Pesek of the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: The Oil Kings are Edmonton's first choice for family fun.
6: Your Edmonton Oil Kings are back in the thick of it, taking the WHL by storm. And you can be right there cheering them on.
0: Great family entertainment starts at just $20 a seat or never miss a game with season seats as low as $9 per game.
6: Thrilling Western Hockey League action, amazing theme nights, and special price kids' food combos at every home game for $10 or less.
0: The entertainment value is king-sized.
6: Secure your seat for the next action-packed, exciting Oil Kings home game today at oilkings.ca.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gay Flaming.
4: Hello there, children. This special edition of The Pipeline Show continues on as we uh, revisit five interviews with the five former Edmonton Oil Kings who have gone on to have various levels of success in the NHL. We've heard from Tristan Jari and Curtis Lazar and Jake Neighbors. And now we're going to hear from the original face of the franchise that would be, of course, Mark Pesek, who was the uh, first player that the Oil Kings drafted as they returned to the WHL. Way back in 2007, he was the third overall pick in that year's WHL Bantam draft. Just out of curiosity, looked up who the uh, two players taken ahead of him were. Uh, one was Quinton Howden of the Moose Jaw Warriors, who's gone on, he's played four seasons in the NHL. The second overall pick. By the Kelowna Rockets was uh, Luke Moffat, who ended up going to the NCAA. I believe he played for the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Did not get a sniff at the NHL. Then there's guys like Charles Inglis for Saskatoon, Brad Ross for Portland, Alex Darrow of uh, Lethbridge, Kevin Sunder for the Chilliwack Bruins, Ryan Asman for the Prince Albert Raiders. None of those guys panned out in terms of the NHL. Of the first rounders that year in the WHL Bantam Draft, only Mark Pesek and Brett Connolly had lengthy NHL careers. Quinton Howden, as I mentioned, 97 games. But Mark Pesek has played 521, and Brett Connolly has played 536. Pesek was a first-round pick of the Buffalo Sabres. His draft year was 2010. He was a first-rounder, 23rd overall that year by the uh, Sabres. Played four years for the Sabres, then four years for the Florida Panthers, A single year for Dallas, back to Buffalo for a year. Last season, he was a member of the Detroit Red Wings organization, but never actually got to play a game due to injury. This year, he began with a PTO uh, with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and is now a member of the Calgary Flames organization, playing in the American Hockey League with the Calgary Wranglers. In this segment, we're going to hear a chat that I had with him in early April of 2020. That's season 15 here of the Pipeline Show. At that point, he was a member of the Florida Panthers, but not really sure what was going on. Season was wiped out, and the next year, he was with the Dallas Stars. But without further ado, here is that conversation.
5: Now Pesek is out there with a steal! Pesek with the empty net! Mark Pesek! Hat-trick! Do you believe that? On a night, Alexander Barkov is out with injury! Mark Pesek has three!
4: Uh, Oil King Captain Mark Pesek. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Mark. How are you?
7: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
4: Uh, Good to talk to you again. And uh, we were just chatting before we started. It's uh, weird times up here. It's really weird. And uh, I keep seeing on on the news clips uh, that it's, uh, well, it looks like life is normal back in in where you are down in Florida. But um, you were just telling me, you you get the sense things are changing down there too.
7: Yeah, I think right from the start, uh, it was just the later half of uh the spring break so everyone was still down it was pretty busy but um as of the last couple weeks maybe last week or so uh we've driven down by the beach just to get out of the house and there's you know police officers and uh, everybody guarding the beach so there's no not a single soul on the beach right now so i think everyone's uh, everyone's taking it a lot more seriously now and i think that's good
4: now your wife is from edmonton right so I guess my, one of my first questions would be, why are you guys still down there? But is that home now? Do you guys consider that home?
7: Um, no, we are just waiting, I think, until, uh, we kind of know what's going on with the season. Um, you know, if we have to start back up playing or anything like that, uh, we have a one-year-old, so we didn't want to be buzzing through airports, uh, yeah. especially with this virus going on. So we just figured it was safer to stay down here for now. Um, and it's, uh, you know it's been it's been good. We've had great weather down here and getting workouts in in the morning, kind of in our own little routine, right? Um obviously missing home bunch bunch of guys went home, a few guys went home, um but it's uh, it's not so bad down here
4: right now. I guess it makes sense my in-laws were in Phoenix, they came back and had to stay basically isolated in their house for two weeks. so and you're right. Your weather's a lot better than it is here. We had pelting snow uh, up here yesterday, so um, yeah, I guess I can understand that. Uh, how do you keep busy though during the day? Uh, like everybody else, you you're hitting Netflix, and uh, I guess you're working out and stuff though. Still,
1: yeah, we
7: uh, we got a. We've been trying to get up, you know, with the little one and go for a run outside or do something in the morning, and then uh, pretty much the rest of the day is just entertain a one-year-old. Um, as much as you can so that keeps us pretty busy but um we obviously watch Tiger King uh, like everyone else in the world and it's uh completely outrageous but a great watch if, if you haven't watched it that would be a huge recommendation Um uh, but other than that yeah not too much just uh try not to drink too much wine and um uh, <laughs> yeah that's about it.
4: I haven't watched the Tiger King show yet, but I've heard so much about it. I feel like I have already so uh, but I guess i'll have to uh I'll have to give it a try uh Mark Pasic uh of the Florida panthers is is my guest uh and uh this is the pipeline show. We're just uh shooting the shit with Mark for a little bit um well, tell me about this past season when you look back on uh, the way it ended maybe we'll we'll start with the most recent and where were you when you were told what the plan was for the for the season that everything's on hold and different levels have all been canceled. I think the NHL is the only one still kind of holding out hope for uh, putting a, some sort of finish on this year, but where were you when you uh, got that news?
7: Uh, We were in Dallas. So we played in St. Louis, I think on a, maybe a Tuesday night. Uh, We stayed the night, flew out the next morning. Um, I think we practiced and then had a day off the following day on the Thursday or whatnot. But then, as we went to bed that night, I think that's the night um the n b a got canceled right um so we woke up in the morning, still still uh prepared to morning skate, but then when the morning skate got canceled we uh everybody figured that was it, and we were in Dallas, yeah, so we just went out for lunch and obviously the season got postponed on that day, and we flew out that night anyways so um and then it was just a whatever they said, a a week or nine days or something like that, quarantined for the first time, and nobody really knew what was going on. And it was kind of, well, not kind of weird. It was extremely weird and nothing anybody's ever been through before. But, um, I mean, it continues to surprise us how weird and (laughs) unique this situation is. Uh,
4: No question about that. The year for you and for the Panthers, maybe for the team, uh, how do you feel about the way things were uh, this season in Florida?
7: Uh, they were good. We, uh, we went on a big run right before the, um before the All-Star break and, and bye week there. Uh, and then we came back and I think we kind of lost a step over the break, just, just timing wise and everything together. And then, and then once again, we were just, just heating up now when this thing happened. So we were, I think we won two or three in a row against some pretty good teams and we were playing, uh, kind of the brand of hockey we've been searching for all year. And then, and then, boom, this happens again, another break. So we, uh, I think unlucky for everybody, but um, unlucky for, obviously, if we can get this season back going, if we can continue where we were, I think that would be good for us.
4: At this point, do you have any sort of uh, insight or the, uh, a gut feel even? What's going to happen? Do you, do you feel any confidence at all that there will still be hockey for the 2019-20 season?
7: Uh the only reason I do have the confidence is that they do keep just postponing it, and they're very hesitant to to just cancel it like a lot of other leagues have done mm-hmm. um so I think there's still that uh, optimism around the league and the players, and I think guys are guys are treating it not so much like a vacation but but just like uh just like a little break everybody I've talked to has been staying in shape you know just in case and um I think that that feeling of everyone that there still is a chance, I think, is is what, what's keeping everybody sane right now and, and kind of optimistic in this break.
4: For you on a personal level this year, career highs in offensive numbers at, at the NHL level, nine goals. I don't think you scored nine goals in the WHL in a, in a single season. So this is a <laughs> no. statistic. And you even had a hat trick this year. I don't know what the heck. Take me back to that <laughs> night. Uh, have you, you must have seen the highlights by now because I'm sure when you shot the puck, you had your eyes closed.
7: Oh yeah. yeah. It was uh, a wild night in Toronto and I I had the two goals and I was late in the third and, and Q put me out again and um I think Dad now fed me from behind the goal line and I was right in front and I didn't score, just shot it right into uh, the goalie's glove and that was my that was when it just hit me. I'm like, you know what, I'll never get a hat trick and that's fine. This is the only chance I'll ever have to get a hat trick and I just blew it. Whatever. Two's good, and then and then the net was empty, and Q put me out again, and then that was uh, I think I just got a little half breakaway, and there was no chance I was missing that. I was I would have skated that right through the net.
4: <laughs> in, in your in your wildest dreams, did you ever think that you could be in that position where you could you could have a hat trick in, in the NHL?
7: Oh no, absolutely not. No, <laughs> it uh, was so outrageous.
4: So this season, getting a chance to to play forward. Uh, I mean it seems to have worked out well for you but I mean that was not in your plan at any time either was it
7: No I uh yeah it was a, a weird start to the season I was uh I was healthy scratch for the first few games and then um somebody or a couple guys were sick so in the morning skate Q came up and said hey we're going to uh, dress you tonight uh we might be 7D might have you on forward. um so I was I was fully expecting just to sit on the bench you know the whole game which I would have completely understood at that point. Um, but then I was just on the fourth line and we went out and, um, (laughs) yeah, I think we did a good enough job where, uh, the next day, uh, he pulled me aside again. He said, you know what? We're going to play again at forward. And then that was, uh, that was that. I mean, the rest, uh, the rest of the season, I think I played defense one or two more games just from sickness or injuries or anything like that. But, um, they had me up forward, up, uh, playing right wing so it was definitely a a different season than i had drawn up but uh you know you got to make the most of what the opportunity is that they give you and um yeah it was all right
4: so how long did it take for you to feel comfortable up there because that's not something you ever did
7: yeah no i um to be completely honest with you i was playing with uh, colton siever and brian boyle for a bit and and they would say that i'm still not comfortable (laughs) because every single (laughs) face off Every single face off, I would go and ask that, like, oh, what are we doing on a win? What are we doing on a loss? And half the time, I could just tell that they, in their, in the look in their eyes, they're like, I just told you this four minutes ago. Do you not remember? And I, I'm like, honestly, guys, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to ask you every single face off, every time there's anything. But they've been, they were awesome. They were patient with me. Like, they didn't, they didn't make me feel like I was, a burden on them. So it was good to play with those guys.
4: What's the biggest difference between playing on the wing and, and playing on the blue line? Um, I think just the trust in
7: your, de- like when you're playing on the back end, you're kind of the last line of defense. If you, if you turn a puck over, make a mistake, usually it's a breakaway or it's a backdoor tap in or something. Uh, You know, at least with four, if you turn it over, it's kind of, uh you kind of got that last line of defense again behind you to help you out and bail you out, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they they're not happy with you if you turn it over, but they'll still uh, they'll still help out.
4: Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This summer, uh, at, this is the last year in your final year of your contract, and you'd be uh, unrestricted free agent, correct? Yeah. Do you go into this summer as a unrestricted uh, defenseman or a forward? Or like, are you? I guess you're Mr. Versatile now.
7: <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And uh, to be completely honest with you at this point in time i i have no idea <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen this summer and uh you know if if whatever comes my way we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens and you know make the decision once we get there
4: all right uh, well uh, with all this uh health scare that's going around it made me think of your health scare uh, what was it 4 years ago you were still in with the sabers at the time but um oh yeah uh, <laughs> with the the collapse while you're playing basketball uh, now did it get officially termed a heart attack or or what was it?
7: Um, no, I, I don't know exactly what it was. I don't think anybody knows for sure, but the only thing I could think of was just uh I fainted and then hit my head when I fell. So I think that was I don't think it was anything to do with my heart. It oh, okay. was just uh just a anomaly, just a weird uh combination of events all piling up and happening all at the same time, I think.
4: And a one-off thing, like you've never had any sort of uh, uh, revisited that at all?
7: No, yeah, never. Nothing nothing even close to that. Creeped in, so thank God for that.
4: All right, uh, well, that's good to hear. Mark Pasek of the Florida Panthers is my guest here on the Pipeline Show, a former Edmonton Oil King captain. Maybe we'll look back at your WHL days uh, in a little bit too, but uh, uh, take me back to the your, the start of your NHL career. Do you remember what game one was, uh, was like?
7: Um, yeah, I was uh, actually, so the night before we were in Toronto playing against the Marlies and I think I was minus four yeah. or minus five, even just a horrible game. <laughs> uh, so I was pretty upset in the shower. Someone comes in and goes, hey, coach wants to see you. And I was like, oh, here we go. I'm getting sent down, you know, for a couple weeks in the coast just to figure it out. All right. And I go into the coach's office and he goes, how do you think you played? Uh, not very good. He <laughs> nope. Not when you're best. But you're going to go play in the NHL tomorrow night. It's crazy how this world works. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. And so then I flew out the next morning early from Buffalo to Washington. Uh, you know, didn't have any time to nap really or anything. I missed morning skate. Um, and then showing up, yeah, I played in Washington. Uh, I was, uh, it was, I mean, you don't, I don't remember too much from the game, just it being. Absolutely exhilarating. Looking around, you know, everything was NHL. Playing against Ovechkin, it was it was pretty special.
4: Well, and again, so I don't know what point of the season that was, but you played nineteen games uh, that year. Was it all after that? Uh, like, did you stay with Buffalo for the rest of that season, or or uh, I don't remember what the circumstances were. Were you up and back between the the farm and the and the big leagues?
7: I think I was up the rest of that season okay. and then I started the next season up and then around Christmas time got sent down for the last half of that one and then the following season I was the whole year uh, except for like maybe one or two call-ups Yeah. Um, in Rochester.
4: Okay. At the NHL level, how long does it take before you feel like you belong and you're not like almost an imposter kind of in the dressing room? That, you, that yeah. you're an NHL guy and, and that you deserve to be there. How long does that take?
7: Um, I think for me it was uh, when I came to Florida. I think I had a different feeling. Uh, I was just always, always in Buffalo. There's always that that thought in the back of my mind that, uh, you know, because I was up for the start of that one season, and then all of a sudden Christmas time came, and I was down for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just never felt uh, never felt like I really belonged in the NHL there. Um, but then when I got to Florida, it was just it was a different feeling. We came down for. Uh, for a press conference with like five or six of the guys, so I met the guys then um, before the season in the summertime, and then once that season started, I just just felt like just had a different feeling in the dressing room, you know, like this was you could be part of this team, you can contribute, you can, like I say, yeah, just be part of this team. You're not uh, you're not as worried of getting sent down. There's obviously that uh, that worry of getting scratched or getting moved or anything like that, but but it wasn't as big of a worry. It was more focused on helping the team win than just stay up in the NHL. You right,
4: know? right. Uh, recently, the uh, the Western Hockey League has been showing sort of classic games, like uh, ESPN Classics or something like that. But they uh, recently showed the All-Kings and the, the Portland Winterhawks. Now it was from 2014. Uh, but uh, you had some pretty interesting uh, playoff experiences with the All-Kings. Got to a Memorial Cup in again. Didn't go the All-Kings way that year. But – uh, when you look back at your time with the uh, with the old Kings, what are the the big memories that immediately come to mind?
7: Well, I think that's the that's the biggest one. I I still remember it was a uh, Saturday night in Portland, and I think we had the chance to win it there, um, and we lost. I don't remember that game much, but we flew back Saturday night and then played a Sunday game at one o'clock or something. Um, so very very quick turnaround and I remember that game was great. The crowd was great. Everything was great. Everything went so well. I don't think we were – I don't think we, during the whole game, had even a thought that we were going to lose that game. I think it was 4-1. Uh, we were just rolling the whole time. It was uh, – yeah, that was that was definitely the highlight there.
4: Being a captain and getting to host the Ed Chenoth Cup at, at Rexall Place at the time – uh, I mean, all and being a local guy, all of that. I mean, you couldn't have scripted the the, the that season any better for yourself, could you?
7: No, absolutely not. That ended perfectly, and um, there was a few seasons in the NHL where I really wanted to go play at at Rexall Place, and yeah, um, you know, that's where I kind of grew up watching games and everything. But it's pretty cool that the last time the last time I played there was was doing that in Game Seven, so um. I think that's a good memory to have from there. Yeah,
4: oh, for sure. When now uh, your your time as an Edmonton Oil King, obviously you were the the first draft pick for the team since coming back into the league, and I mean, see, you were the face of the franchise for so long. Was there? Did you feel pressure at that time, um, being that guy and and sort of the the marquee name for the team?
7: Uh, I think there's always a little bit of pressure, um, regardless of you know being the first pick or anything. I think there's a little bit more pressure playing at home too. Um, you get all your friends and everything right, kind of right on top of you, but, um, it wasn't too bad. I think, uh, you know, we had, we struggled the first few years, but then once, once things got going, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of highly talented skills guys that kind of weighed, kind of wore it on their shoulders a little bit. So it was, uh, it was definitely the focus I don't think was as much on me as, uh, as it sounds like, you know, being the first pick and everything like that.
4: Do you uh when you've played against uh, some former Oil King teammates at either the NHL level or the American Hockey League level, do you have time to kind of uh meet with guys before or after games at all?
7: Yeah, for sure. If there's guys that uh I think uh Jari saw him or talked to him in warm ups this year and uh it's definitely cool seeing guys that you uh, uh that you that you were a lot younger with and you were kinda <laughs> at a different stage of your life, uh as you are now, so it's cool to see everybody growing up a little bit, and a lot more mature, but still the same, you know, same goofy hockey players that I don't think really ever changes.
4: Your photo on Twitter is still you getting presented, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the Ed Chynoweth Cup as, as the captain of the Old Kings. Now, is that is that on purpose, or is that just laziness, you haven't changed it?
7: Uh... Uh, I think a little bit of both. I think it's, uh, it's cool to see that, and have that, and I don't know what other picture I would put. Uh, <laughs> maybe, well, not maybe, I think if uh, if I were to ever win the Stanley Cup, I think that would be the <laughs> the change. But sure. um, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I like seeing it too.
4: No, I know it's it's maybe it's uh, way in your rearview mirror now, but do you still follow the Oil Kings and, and see how they're doing uh, every once in a while?
7: Yeah, I do, and it. Uh, I think I follow them on on everything, Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that. So when the when the rankings come out and they're in the you know the top ten of the whole CHL, I definitely let. Uh, let everybody know all the junior guys uh, around here. How good the Oil Kings are doing for sure when, when they're doing good.
4: Now most of the people in the organization have changed since your time here, but a couple of guys are still the same. In Rogan Dean and, and Brian Cheesman, and a couple of the other support staff guys as well. Do you, are you able to keep in touch? Oh yeah,
7: we uh, you know we just, just here and there over messages. And when we were in uh, when we were in Edmonton um, playing, went over and see them in the dressing room and. Uh, you know, it's always good to catch up with those guys and uh they do such a good job and it's it's no wonder that they're still going strong there and uh, you know, everybody that goes through that system and organization knows them and knows how uh professional they are and how uh and how hard they work.
4: Well all of those guys and Corey Graham as well, if if they knew I was talking to you right now they'd want me to say hello so uh I will uh do that uh, now. Hi from those guys. Uh, and Mark listen, I really appreciate your time today. I, I took up uh, a little bit longer than I expected. I was going to, but it was really good. I enjoyed catching up. Always,
7: Thank you very much for having me. It's good. Catch up with you too.
4: Are you kidding me? Mark Pesek. What a, I really enjoyed, uh, just, even just hearing the interview again. I know it's like four or five years later, but man, it, it's always fun to, uh, to, to chat with Mark. Real good sense of humor, real personable guy. And, uh, He's 31 years old now, didn't get to play at all last year. You wonder, is this it? Uh, if if it's not, you know, if if he wants to keep playing, I hope the the health is there for him and he gets a chance to get back to the NHL. And if this is uh, sort of the end of the run for him, I wonder if he gets back into uh, maybe the WHL as a, as a coach or something like that because I think he's a real good leader and I would love to see him back here in Edmonton with the Oil Kings if that's something that he's interested in. We'll see. All right, we've got one more segment to get to this week, and uh, my next guest joined me originally back on June 18th in uh, Season 16. That was his draft year. In fact, he was drafted a month later in the first round. I'm talking about Dylan Gunther. Let's revisit that interview next here on The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willhock Beef Jerky. Hi, this
2: is Dylan Gunther of the Kings. And he only go three all-kings. Riley Sochak, three on through through
0: neutral ice. Sochak gains the line, floats in the front for Gunther, charging down. Gunther and it scores! I didn't think they'd find a way to make that work, but it does. Dylan Gunther tucks it home. It's 6-3 Edmonton.
2: And you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
0: Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegers and they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel Gensel, Gensel. banks it towards the goalie. scores. Kale McCarr Kale McCarr. McCarr he scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Oh, my goodness gracious! Baby. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
4: I think I'm getting the black lung pop. All right, we've got one more segment to go on this week's special edition of The Pipeline Show. It's sort of a best of of a former Edmonton oil kings who have gone on now to the highest level of the sport. Quick reminder that the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada by going to WilhockBeefJerky.com and they'll ship it to you or three Edmonton and area locations, Leduc, Spruce Grove, West Edmonton Mall. We're going to end this week's uh, show going back to June 18th of 2021. And that was when I was joined by Oil Kings forward Dylan Gunther, who would uh, end up being drafted ninth overall by the Arizona Coyotes about a month after this conversation. Of course, Gunther would... Help lead the Oil Kings to the 2022 WHL Championship. 91 points in 59 games that season. Unfortunately for the Oil Kings, and for him, injured at the Memorial Cup. Actually in the final against Seattle, so was not available at all uh, for the Oil Kings at the Memorial Cup. So you lose your arguably your best player at exactly the wrong time. And unfortunately the Memorial Cup didn't go well for Edmonton. And the uh, following season, his rights traded to the Seattle Thunderbirds well before the deadline. Uh, He actually played half the year with the Arizona Coyotes before being returned to the dub after the World Junior Championship, where he was amazing, 10 points in seven games for Canada, including that big overtime goal. This year, I expected he'd be with the Coyotes. Uh, Unfortunately, he hasn't got into a game. He started the year off in the American Hockey League. He's a point-per-game player there but has not been recalled at all by Arizona, which is uh, a surprise. But let's go back and listen to that uh, conversation with Dylan Gunther in the 2021 draft spotlight segment that year. Edmonton wins the draw. Jake Niebuhr's pass across. One-timer scores! Like clockwork, Dylan Gunther from the left circle on the power play. Makes it 5-1 Edmonton. Uh, Make no mistake with that shot. Right in the uh, wheelhouse for Dylan Gunther. He absolutely buries that one. Uh, what has the last uh, couple of months been like for you uh, since the, the WHL season ended? Uh, and as the draft gets closer, I imagine you're doing a lot of uh, Zoom meetings and things like that.
2: Yeah, no, it's been pretty busy. Uh, a lot of Zoom meetings, uh, just working out and skating and uh, just looking to uh, you know keep improving and getting better heading into the next year.
4: How, how weird was the last 15 months for you as a, as a guy going into your draft season? Obviously it's a big year. You're highly touted. Uh, and then there was so much, is the WHL even going to play? And it took so long to get around to it. And it finally happened. And even then it was really short. It's gotta be a, a really weird year.
2: Yeah. Obviously a ton of uncertainty. Uh, you know, even in Alberta, they shut down the rinks for a little bit, uh, prior to our season. So, uh, Yeah, it's weird when you kind of see other guys that they're playing and they're having success and they're not able to play. And uh, that's really out of control. You just have to find ways to continue to improve and get better and uh, make sure you're just as ready as you can be for when your season does start. And, uh, you know, I think you did a good job of that, and our team did a good job of that, and we came out flying out of the gates.
4: Well, back in the the fall, you, you actually got into four games with the Sherwood Park Crusaders, had five points there. Uh, and then that was shut down as well. So it wasn't until the WHL came back and the Central Division started things off at the end of February. You only played 12 games, but 24 points. Um, nobody had more points per game than you did in the WHL this year. I have to think you're pretty happy with those 12 games.
2: Yeah, I think they went really well. Uh, you know one of know.
4: focus as a team
2: was just to continue to build off where we left off last year, and that was kind of the same thing for me. I had a good rookie season. I just wanted to build off that and continue to, uh, you know, grow as a player. And uh, we did that. We uh, came out hot. And I think it's uh, credit to us and just our offseason training. I know that we put a lot of work in over the past, you know, 12 months that it was uh, that we weren't playing just in order for us to be ready for the season. And, uh, you know, that hard work did pay off uh, for our, our record this year.
4: Unfortunately, no playoffs, no Memorial Cup, all of those things. But the Oil Kings were obviously contenders this year. Were contenders last year, and we know what happened. Uh, and uh, you know, depending on what happens, th- this team could be contenders again next year. But that, that's got to be tough when when your team is as good as it is uh, and not have playoffs uh, and the opportunity to go to a, a you know playoff uh, WHL playoffs and then a Memorial Cup. That's got to be frustrating.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think when we got the news, we were kind of all heartbroken and uh, obviously looking forward to the season just because we were going to have the opportunity to play and get back together as a team. But also to, uh, you know, we wanted a chance to be able to compete in the playoffs and uh, compete for, uh, you know, that that trophy. And uh, to hear that we weren't able to do that last season was, uh, you know, was disappointing and unfortunate. But I know that we're going to come back strong uh, strong again next year, and we're going to try to push for the same thing. We have the same goals in mind.
4: Now, you did get to go play for Canada down in Texas, came home with a gold medal, uh, seven points in the seven games for yourself down there. The opportunity to uh, be able to showcase uh, or to play in a big showcase event like that in your draft year, huge, obviously, uh, and to, to go down and play and, and perform well and come home with a gold medal, yeah, I don't think you could have scripted it any uh, better than that for yourself, could you?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a great tournament. And these are the kind of tournaments that, you know, as a ch- as a child, you grow up watching. And, uh, you know, someday your goal is to try to be a part of them. And to be a part of that team and uh, to go down there and participate in the tournament and then win it all was just, uh, you know, really couldn't have wrote it up any better. So I had a great time down there. and uh you know it's always fun to win goal, which is our which was our
4: goal. Obviously, going down there and
2: uh, you know to do that was a great feeling and something I'll never forget.
4: Dylan Gunther is my guest. He's a forward with the Edmonton Oil Kings in the Western Hockey League. Uh, Dylan, my audience is uh, not just in the local area here, so there'll be people listening to this probably just casual NHL fans who don't watch the WHL or junior hockey at all. Uh, but maybe their favorite NHL team will draft you, uh, so they'll be going back and listening to interviews and things like that, trying to find out information. So for those uh, those listeners right now, let's uh, maybe let's get some background. And uh, I know the answer to a lot of these, but let's start at the beginning. Where are you from?
2: Yeah, from Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, you know, born and raised here, and I have the opportunity to play
4: junior in my home in my hometown. Have you always been a forward, Dylan? Did you ever try the blue line? I have, yeah. I've always been forward. When you were a little kid, I know a lot of the players have said, you know, maybe in uh, in squirts or Adam or whatever, the coach will get all the players to take their turn in net. Uh, ever have a chance where you were in that and wearing the pads?
2: Yeah, I do remember one time. Uh, you know, I I really wanted to be a goalie, and uh, I thought it was such a fuck position. that I ended up playing goalie against the best team when I did not get the chance, and I think I let ten goals in. And you know, never <laughs> again I wanted to do that. So. Uh, I kind the goalies out there who are able to, uh, you know, get that net in battle, but uh, that position
4: just wasn't for me. Yeah, you could tell that right away. Eh? Ten goals against, probably not the not the right fit for you. The Bantam Draft, your year. Um, now, I know a lot of the guys were in Philadelphia at a tournament. I think you were one of them, correct? I was, yes. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you didn't have to wait very long. You were the first player taken in the Bantam Draft that year, uh, which was, uh, I want to go back, 2018 was that year. Now, being an Edmonton kid, the Oil Kings had the first pick. Did you have a sense, or were you hoping that it would be the Oil Kings, or were you one of those guys who wanted to have the experience of moving away and, and playing, I don't know, in Kelowna or something like that?
2: Yeah, no, I didn't know. I really had no idea heading in, and, you know, I, I really did not want to play for the Oil Kings, and, uh, I, I mean, I grew up watching the Oil Kings, and they were a really good team, uh, you know, all throughout my childhood, and I remember watching those games, and, I want it to be that someday and uh to get the opportunity when I got drafted for them I knew that was a huge opportunity to me to just uh you know, uh, give back to the community that way, I guess, and uh, just how uh, you know, some other high end players who came out of that organization did when I was younger. So to get the chance to uh, you know, get drafted to my hometown team was just a dream come true.
4: Now you did play eight games in your uh pre rookie season, four points in those eight games, so a nice little uh, dip your toe in the pool, kind of test the waters there. But uh, how, how important was that for the next season in your first full rookie year, where you had you were a point per game guy that year? Does any of it stem from that eight game, uh, you know, test drive?
2: Yeah, no, I think it was huge. I think uh, you know, going out and kind of dipping my toes in the water and getting used to the pace of play and just seeing how much. Uh, you know, faster and stronger the guys are and uh, just how, how much faster the game is. And I think that was uh, crucial. And also just to build some relationships with some of the players on the team who I'm going to be playing with in the future. Is, it allows me to just be more comfortable in that environment and that setting and uh, also build some
4: chemistry for on-ice play too. When you're a a first overall pick like that, I I would have to think there's some pressure that you might feel. In fact, you know, obviously the organization invested a first overall pick in you, so there's going to be expectations from them. The fans are going to expect that you're going to be a, a, you know, an outstanding impact player. Uh, But uh, you know, a lot of players will tell me nobody puts more pressure on them than themselves. Is that the case for you too?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I don't really feel the outside pressure. I kind of just see it as opportunity. And, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to play uh, in front of my family and friends uh, pretty much every single game. So that's pretty cool. And that's not something that, uh, you know, every kid can say that they have. So I'm definitely thankful for that. And, yeah, I think, you know, I'm hard on myself. I'm a competitive guy and I
4: want to do the best that I can. And
2: I think just internally, that's something that pushes me to, uh, to just be better every single day.
4: 59 points that rookie season in 58 games, and, and a lot of people won't realize, but 16-year-olds breaking into the league don't start on the top line or on the number one power play all the time, and, and that was the case with you. You didn't, uh, and but I think by Christmas, you were probably on that top line. Give me a sense of what it was like breaking in into the league, uh, being a depth guy on the, on the roster, but slowly working your way up, and, and how long it took you to... It obviously didn't take long to get comfortable and start making an impact, but how'd you make that transition?
2: Yeah, I mean, it is difficult coming into the league at 16 just because you're playing against much bigger and stronger guys, and the pace is just so much faster. And, uh, you know, it did kind of take me a little while to work my way onto, uh, you know, the top six where I would uh, be able to get a little more ice time and a little more opportunity. But, uh, yeah, I know I played on the fourth line for probably 15 games, and You know, when you're in that moment, it's not somewhere you want to be. But I think looking back on it, it's good that I got to, uh, you know, experience that and kind of work my way around that uh, type of adversity, just in case it was to happen later on in my career too. Uh,
4: What about the coaching staff in Edmonton? How have they helped you become a a better player uh, in your tenure here with the Oil Kings?
2: Yeah, I think a ton, a ton of credit to them. I mean, they helped me, uh, you know, so much during the year uh, with what I need to work on. And a big thing that we do is just watching video and watching video on my gameplay and maybe uh, comparing it to some other guys who uh, you know play in the NHL and looking at their tendencies and what they tend to do and just trying to implement that into my game which is something that's helped me a ton uh, over the past two or three seasons here
4: well interesting I was gonna ask you something like that later on but since you brought it up who are those NHL guys that they're showing you how they play and trying to use them as comparables for you who are who are some of those guys
2: yeah I think we we do cover video on a a couple of different things so as far as positional play i think guys like kyle connor is the big one who we watched a lot of video on and uh, i think he's just such a good skater and able to create so much so much uh so many opportunities for himself and his line mates in the game so he's the guy that we watch and then uh, i think just some shooting techniques and uh tendencies that guys like austin matthews and david Pasternak use uh, my video coach and i would go that, kind of through that uh after practice and then once we got on the ice the next day we would work on it uh, on the ice after practice and i think just uh kind of seeing how they shoot and just trying to implement it that into your game just makes you a better player
4: nice uh dylan gunther is my guest uh, forward with the edmonton oil kings uh let's talk about the draft a little bit and, and maybe while i have you let, can you give us a, a self-scouting report how do how do you see yourself as a player what are your strengths
2: yeah i think for me i'm a smart hockey player who uses my speed to create chances uh you know, offensively for both myself and my line mates. And, uh, you know, I think with my speed in hockey sense, I'm able to create time and space uh, for myself to either get get a shot off or uh, get open and try to create a scoring chance. And I think my shooting uh, has kind of been the strong point of my career thus far and something that I've worked on a ton throughout my childhood and I'm going to continue to work on. And I think that, uh, you know, my game kind of revolves around my shot and just my goal scoring ability.
4: Well, every I think everybody recognizes you're a shooter. You are definitely a goal scorer. To me, that's the hardest thing to do in hockey is to put the puck in the net. But do you think your playmaking might even be uh, underappreciated or overlooked a little bit because everyone thinks of you, first and foremost, as a goal scorer?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm definitely a shot-first guy, and if the shot's there, then I'm going to take it. But, uh, you know, other teams do kind of pick up on that and take that away, and, and start to take that away. And I think I am good at... Uh, finding my teammates and putting them in good positions to uh to score goals and create chances and uh yeah i think that that's something that i'm also pretty good at and it just kind of goes along with my offensive play
4: was your role different with canada at the u18s than it is with the oil kings uh, a little bit
2: yeah i think uh you know for me going in that i wanted to win gold and i was really willing to do whatever it took to to, to help my team win gold and for us be, to be successful and uh you know, I think I kind of highlight other parts of my game that maybe don't show as much uh, in junior, such as just my forechecking, uh, my tracking, and penalty kill. Especially, I don't kill a lot of penalties, uh, you know, as much in junior, just because we're pretty deep uh, through that area. But uh, I was pretty, uh, I guess, relied upon on the penalty kill uh, at that tournament there, and I think I did a good job of that, and that's something that I'm pretty proud of.
4: The uh, website, the, the WHL's website list, you had six one and, a half and 181. Uh, that might have been at the start of this little season. I'm not sure how, how close up to date is that now?
2: Yeah, it's pretty close. I'm probably about 185 pounds and uh, about six one and a half right now.
4: All right. Has the draft been on your mind much uh, over the last, let's say, 15 months? Maybe now more than uh, while you were playing. But, in, you know, during that long, the big stoppage, were you thinking about the draft and uh, what it means to not be able to play and all of those things? Were you always thinking about it in the back of your head?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's something that you you can't really think of and you can't let it uh, weigh you down just because, uh, you know, at that point it's still a long ways away and there's still a lot of work to be done leading up to that date. Uh, So that was really my focus, just take it in day in, day out, and just work my hardest and try to get better every day. But I think now – You know, it definitely kind of focuses in a little bit more just because you're getting more attention from, uh, I guess, teams and uh, I guess friends and family just kind of talking about it and not playing. Uh, I guess you tend to think about it a little bit more, but I think it's the same thing for me. Just uh, continue to go to the gym and get stronger every day and uh, make the most out of all my ice sessions and just try to get better.
4: I know some players uh, try to avoid looking at rankings and things like that because they think it could be a distraction. Others tell me they use it as a motivating thing um, to to inspire them to, you know, climb the rankings. Uh, What about for you, Dylan?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of different opinions out there and, uh, you know, not all of it's going to be stuff that you want to hear. So that's really something that I try not to look at and not be a part of. Uh, You know, for me, I think just focusing on myself, focusing on, and try to get better uh, is going to put me in the best position heading into uh, that day. So I think just other people's opinions and uh, kind of what they put out there doesn't bother, bother me a ton.
4: Now, Dylan, being an Edmonton guy, does that automatically make you an Oiler fan growing up, or were you cheering for somebody else here behind enemy lines?
2: Yeah, I was always an Oiler fan growing up.
4: Any particular players in the organization that you grew up uh, cheering for? I know, obviously, Connor McDavid's the big draw now and Dreisaitl, but maybe when you were a kid, who were those guys?
2: yeah I think uh, those guys still and even like Jordan Everly and Nugent Hopkins and they came into the league a little bit earlier and I was able to watch uh, you know all of them play even Taylor Hall and uh, you know the Oilers are a super exciting team to watch and uh, yeah I know I love watching them play.
4: Pretty cool, you get to share a building uh, with them and I don't know how often you the oil Kings and the Oilers uh, cross paths or anything, but just to be in that facility and, and uh, that's got to be a cool experience.
2: Yeah, I know it is really cool. And sometimes you'll kind of cross paths with them and, uh, you know, you're a little bit starstruck just because you go home every night and kind of watch them play on TV. And then the next day you kind of run into them in the building or watch their practice. But, you know, I think we're super fortunate to be able to share a facility with them. And we have a lot of really nice amenities, that not a lot of other teams, uh, you know, would be able to get and also, uh, just watching them practice. I think it's super cool to watch them practice and how they, go in day in, day out, and uh, kind of what you have to do to get to the next level.
4: What happens between now and the draft for you, Dylan?
2: Yeah, I think uh, nothing really changes. I'm in the offseason right now, and I'm trying to get stronger and better uh, and just keep getting better, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. And uh, Yeah, I think uh, it, it is a bit different this year just because of the draft coming up, but uh, for me, I'm just taking it one day at a time and just looking to uh, focus on myself.
4: All right. Well, I appreciate you making the time. I know you're really busy. We got interrupted halfway through this because an NHL team was calling you. So I appreciate you you being flexible and making some time for me, man. Uh, good luck at the draft, and uh, we'll see you in the fall if you're back with the Oil Kings. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. There was Dylan Gunther of the Edmonton Oil Kings, now with the uh, Arizona Coyotes organization. He's played 27 games this season with the Tucson Roadrunners has 26 points, including nine goals. have to think that a call-up is uh, right around the corner. Maybe it's an injury up top that uh, finally opens the door for him. I have to think when Gunther gets a chance again at the NHL level, he's going to stick. Outstanding WHL career, one-shot score, a threat from anywhere on the ice in the offensive zone. There's a reason he was touted so highly as he was in his draft year. All right, that is going to wrap it up for not just this episode, but for this year. 2023 is now in the books here on the Pipeline Show. Not taking any break. We will be back in uh, this first week of January. I already have one interview tentatively lined up. It would be a 2024 draft spotlight segment with a fairly key player out of the Western Hockey League. And some other irons in the fire as well. We have the uh, rosters for the top prospect game in, uh, in the CHL coming up at the end of January as well as the uh, roster for the All-American prospect game. They're not All-Americans anymore, which kind of weird that they're still calling it the All-American game. But whatever, it's the USHL. I'm going to leave you with two things. First, a real big thank you to everyone who has uh, been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com. Cannot do the show without your support. So for that, I'm really, really grateful. That's at patreon.com slash show. And lastly, if there are guests that you want me to get on the program, whether they're draft-eligible players or media members, whatever the case is, uh, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee, or you can email me, gee at pipelineshow.com. Folks, that is it. I hope you have a great Happy New Year's celebration, and that 2024 is going to be the best year you've had yet in your life. My name is Keith Flaming. This is the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. See ya.